It's the beginning of an incredible weekend, isn't it? We get to celebrate. It's incredible. I want to tell you about someone tonight, probably someone you probably haven't heard of a whole lot, but someone you need to know about. His name is Avdi, A-V-D-I, Avdi. Avdi in Hebrew means my servant. Avdi got his name because he served God in a very special way. God had needed something to be done, and he sent Avdi to take care of it. And Avdi did exactly what God wanted him to do. Well, who is he? And, and where does he come from? Well, we first hear about Avdi about 800 years before Christ. The prophet Isaiah writes about him in, in several different places in his book, the book of Isaiah. And originally the name Avdi was given to the nation of Israel. They were originally the first my servant. The nation of Israel was supposed to be God's my servant. They were the ones that were called by God in, in Isaiah chapters 41 and 42 to be a light to the world. And they were to open blind eyes. They were to bring salvation to the people of Israel. But by chapter 3, we discover that Israel failed in this calling. Somehow they just blew it. Instead of being a light to the nations and opening blinded eyes, they ended up becoming blinded. And instead of bringing salvation and light to the nations, they needed to be saved. Someone else would have to bring Israel and the nations back to God. Someone else would have to be a light to the nations. So the prophet focuses in on one individual Jew, a man who, within the nation, who would do what God wanted, who would bring Israel back to him and be the one who would be God's light to the nations. Starting in Isaiah chapter 49, I re Isaiah refers to this one single man as Abdi, my servant. He's the one that's going to restore Israel to God and take God's salvation to the rest of the nations. And in the last main passage in the book of Isaiah that talks about Abdi, the end of chapter 52 and chapter 53, it becomes clear that carrying out God's plan to bring back Israel to God and offer salvations to the nation will be an excruciating, sacrificial, and fatal act of service to God. But he will pull it off, and he will fulfill God's will. Now, who is he? I know just about every single one of you are saying, well, sure, Steve, it's Jesus, right? Jesus of Nazareth. But can we be sure that the person talked about in Isaiah 52 and 53 is Jesus? Fortunately, we know the answer to that question, and the answer is yes, because we have an account in Acts chapter 8 in the New Testament where Philip, moved by the Spirit of God, meets up with an Ethiopian official who is, happens to be reading the portion, a portion of Isaiah 52 and 53 on the road. In Acts chapter 8, verse 34, the Ethiopian official asked Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? And then verse 35 gives us the answer and tells us just exactly who Abdi is. The my servant from the book of Isaiah is, in fact, Jesus. He says, my servant is the one who the Ethiopian official was reading about. 
The scripture says that Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Avdi is Jesus. He's the one who's brought salvation, not only to Israel, but all nations everywhere. And on Good Friday, we remember, we ruminate on what Avdi, Jesus, did to make this happen. I want us to focus for a few minutes tonight on just three, first, three verses in this writing about Avdi that we find in Isaiah chapter 53. Emily read it just a few minutes ago. The scripture says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. To understand this text fully, we have to start with a reality check. And that reality check is what we find in verse 6. When, when uh, Isaiah says, we all like sheep have gone astray, we've turned every one to his own way. He's really saying two things there. Number one, like sheep, we've all wandered from God. It's the nature of a sheep to follow and to follow other sheep, to follow the flock, to follow the crowd. And what Isaiah is saying here is that we have wandered from God. But on a, not only that, each one of us has turned to his own way which means each and every one of us are sinners by choice. Not only are we sinners by nature, but we're sinners by choice. Each one of us has turned to his or her own way. Each of us has deliberately rebelled against God, and we've done our own thing. Let's face it, at some point of our lives, or for some of us, for maybe for most of our life, every one of us has done what he or she has thought best to do, regardless of what God wanted. And Isaiah adds a few choice words to describe this reality in verse 5. He uses the words in verse 5, transgressions. Transgressions are a rejection of authority. At some point in our lives, we've rejected the authority of God. And then he uses the word iniquities, the breaking of the law, a violation of God's commandments. Somewhere along the line, each and every one of us has broken God's law. And because of that, all of us deserve to be punished. As Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And a little bit later, three chapters later, in chapter 6, verse 23, he says the wages of that sin, the payment that we deserve for that sin, is death, eternal separation from God. And if you really think deeply about this for a couple of minutes, the reality is that this sin, this rebellion, this wandering from God causes a rational human being at some point in time to suffer. What Isaiah calls in verse 4, grief or sorrow. The grief is a recognition of the guilt of my sin. The sorrow is the mental pain that comes along with it. And the distress that you and I experience in our bodies, in our souls, in our spirits, that sin has brought upon us, we're left to deal with. And without Abdi, we'd be left to deal with it on our own. The reality that we see here in verse 6 is we cannot soften the blow of sin. But 
last phrase of verse 6. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. Avdi's done something about it. He followed God's plan, and verses 4 and 5 tell us how that has unfolded. Now, I know that one of the ways that many of us uh, deal with the effects of the sin in our life, and certainly in our world, is to set Jesus aside. To, as Isaiah says here, to esteem him stricken, to esteem him afflicted. In other words, Jesus got what he, what he, what he deserved. Jesus claimed to be God. Jesus deserved to die on that cross as a criminal. And so a lot of people think about Jesus today and say, you know what? He got everything he deserved, the humiliation, the suffering, everything. He got that just for claiming to be God. Think about it. Abdi, my servant, claiming to be God himself. But Isaiah says the very first word of verse 4, surely. And when, when you see that word surely in the text, it means there's no doubt. It's absolutely true what's about, what was about to be said. He said this, he carried our sickness, that, that pain, that sickness of heart that comes as a result of the guilt of our sin that raised upon us. He bore our sorrow, that mental pain that comes with it, and he took it upon himself and even lived it when he didn't even deserve it. So looking back from the Good Friday in the New Testament, 800 years, or looking forward to 800 years, when the centurion thrust his sword into Jesus' side, when they put the nails in his hands and his feet, he was, as it says here in verse 5, he was being pierced through for our transgressions, for our sins. When the suffocating weight of the crucifixion took the life out of him, he was being crushed, literally pulverized for our iniquities. He took the punishment that made us right with God and brought us peace. That's the Hebrew word shalom that I'm sure many of you have heard before as he faced the crucifixion all alone. When Pilate had him scourged and the soldiers carried him off, as he walked towards Calvary with the, carrying the cross, the soldiers hitting him on his head and driving the thorns deeper into his, into his head. They were spitting on him, mocking him. All those stripes and wounds we deserved to receive. But rather, he received them, and he did so in our place. And they have brought us the healing that we need in our souls and our spirits. So we celebrate on this Good Friday the fact that it's all on Jesus. God loaded our sins, our transgressions, our iniquities, all of it on his son, and then put him to death for all of those things. You will look at all this, and you have to keep in mind that this was God's will. This isn't something that just happened by accident. It was a part of God's plan. God did this to Jesus so he wouldn't have to do it to you and to me. It was his plan. The Romans didn't kill Jesus. The Jews didn't kill Jesus. Avdi died at the hand of God. This is what God had in mind all along. This was the act of service that Avdi, my servant, performed for God. Jesus died in our place, and he died for us, that we might be healed 
and that we might find the peace that comes in being made right with God. That's shalom. Deep inside, we can be clean and holy. God won't hold everything we've done wrong against us any longer. As the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we're made new. We're a new creation. We're a new person because of all of that that took place. So we don't have to be defined by our past. Tonight you might be ruminating, but in the clinical sense, the, the, the psychiatric sense, you could be repeatedly thinking or dwelling on the negative feelings, the distress, the consequences that you're experiencing because of a habit or addiction you can't just break, of a bad or a broken relationship, a lack of success, or worse, a total failure in your career or at school. Home that's falling apart. The reality of having lost your job and there are no prospects in sight. The realization that you are doing your own thing apart from God. And at some point, if you haven't, you will feel the pain. You'll feel the loneliness. You'll feel the hopelessness, the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment, the separation from God. Avdi, my servant, Jesus, can take it away because of what he did on the cross. God asked him to do it, and he did it for you and for me. Avdi has brought you the possibility of salvation of having an intimate, eternal relationship with the God of the universe. And he did so by suffering and dying on the cross for you and in your place. God loves you so much that he allowed his servant, my servant, Avdi, to suffer that torture and to be hung on the cross and die that you might have that relationship with him for forever. Avdi, Jesus, can free you from your sin. He can free you from your past mistakes, your poor choices, and bring you what you're really looking for in life, peace that, that comes from having a right relationship with God. Of course, Isaiah 53 isn't the end of the story because he was doing what God wanted. God raised him up. And you'll hear the rest of that story tomorrow or Sunday, if you come tomorrow or Sunday for Easter services, and you will, right? Yeah, okay, good. But if you believe what Avdi has done for you, what Jesus has done for you, his death can bring you eternal life if you don't know him. If you've been wandering, if you've made that choice to walk away from him, and if you already believe, think often about what he's done for you. Think deeply about it. That's why Jesus shared that meal, that, that communion moment, the Lord's Supper moment at that Last Supper with his disciples. And we're going to do that this evening. We're going to take the next few moments, and I'm going to ask you to reflect, to deeply think about what Jesus Abdi has done for you. I want you to remember the words iniquities, transgressions, 
And think about all that Jesus went through, being pierced, being crushed, being separated from God, being chastised, hung on the cross, that you and I might enjoy our relationship with him, not just tonight, but tomorrow and Sunday and for the rest of eternity. Abed, Abdi, I'm sorry, not Abed, Abdi, God's servant, Jesus, suffered and died for you and in your place. And this is what I want you to think about over the next few minutes. As we spend this time of reflection, I want you to think of these words as we reflect. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. And although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him he has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. So take this time to remember. Eight hundred years after Isaiah penned his words, Jesus on the real good Friday was in the upper room with his disciples. He knew he was going to go through, through all of the pain and torture that Isaiah spoke about. And he wanted to have this last supper with his disciples. 
so that they might be set up to remember for a very long time, the rest of their lives, what he was about to go through on their behalf. And so we instituted what we call the Lord's Supper. It's a time to remember and it's time to reflect. And in that last supper, he said to his disciples, as he took up a piece of bread and he prayed, he said, this bread represents my body, which is broken for you. Take, eat, and remember me. And in a like manner, he took a cup of wine and he held it up and he said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood. You see, the Jews knew that there'd be no forgiveness of sin. There'd be no shalom with God. There'd be no peace without the shedding of blood. There was just simply would be no forgiveness of sin without it. But he said, this cup represents my blood, which I'm about to shed on the cross of Calvary for you. Drink it in remembrance of me. And then he said, as often as you drink this cup and as often as you eat this bread, remember me. Someday in the future, we're going we're to share one more supper with him and it'll be a joyous moment. Tonight, we remember the words of Isaiah 53. They set us up perfectly to celebrate what God did to Abdi as a result of his following his will. He raised him up. And we look forward to that day this weekend in his name.